Hello, everyone. My name's Aiden. And my name is Ropa Fudzo. And welcome to the very first episode of our podcast, Behind the Scalpel. topic for today is called From Medical Student to Surgeon, and we've invited Dr. Liam Johnson, who is an orthopedic surgeon consultant, to have a chat with us about his journey from being a student, which is where most of our audience are at the moment, to um, his work now um, as a consultant. Dr. Johnson, we're really excited to have you here, and we also wanted to congratulate you on the brand new addition to your family. Congrats. Uh Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, Liam's my name. Call me Liam. You make me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing, Liam. <laughs> Could you introduce yourself uh, for us and our viewers? Yeah, so Liam Johnson's my name. I'm uh, an orthopedic surgeon with interest in paediatrics, and I work at the moment mostly at the Queensland Children's Hospital, the Queensland Children's Hospital, and that's with your old man, Aidan, Marjorie, <laughs> and um, uh, I do some private work at the Marta Children's Private, and then some adult work at the Marta Public Adult Hospital and a Green Size Private Hospital. Right. And where did you go, go to? Into, actually, I'm going to the Gold Coast, close to you guys, once a fortnight too. I was going oh. to be there today, but I'm going to Oh, okay. That's the Gold Coast University Hospital? Yeah. All right. Uh, and whereabouts did you go to for medical school? Yeah, no, so I'm a UQ medical graduate. I'm uh, of the vintage where you weren't able to do UQ as an undergraduate degree or with that UMAT degree. Um, so I did a science degree and then after graduating from that, went into medicine and did a four-year uh, yeah. post-grad yeah. degree. I graduated in 2006. All right. Nice. Wow. That's young. Young <laughs> by the standards of uh, consultants, especially in orthopedics. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost 40, so I'm getting old. <laughs> if anyone asks, I'm early 30s. Yeah. My life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what what got you interested in uh, orthopedic surgery? Uh, and like how, how did you decide that orthopedics was the, uh, the surgery for you? Yeah, orthopedics was not really on the radar for me until I was working as an intern and I was at the Southport Hospital, the precursor to the Gold Coast University Hospital. Yeah. And I uh, was just rotated into orthopedics, not by choice, we were just allocated our rotations and I had a really good time. I actually worked with your dad then, Aidan, he was a registrar, an ING at Rotating Drews and he was a, he was a good guy then, as he is now. And I had a good time working with the team. My second year at the JH, though, I rotated back to orthopedics. Again, not by choice. And Mike Thomas was uh, in the department then. He was pretty new. And he encouraged me to do orthopedics. We hear a lot that it's often um, the people who you encounter who end up encouraging you or leading you down into the, you know, um, surgical pathway that most people choose. Was it that's kind of similar to like what it was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very busy job, but it's a good, good team environment. Everyone 
quite important. Mm. And I had, I had a good rotation. The, uh, the other thing is you have to decide, and, and they may have changed it slightly, but it was like April. So you were barely into your second year. And you're having to decide what you're going to do with your career. Mm. So I think my plan was to give all the tracks for a year or two, and it didn't work out. And when you were uh, deciding, so uh, it sounds like you, so you already were working on the hospital, and then you uh, you got exposure to orthopedics, and then you uh, decided. Um, was there anything surprising about orthopedics that you didn't uh, particularly anticipate? Oh, I think that vintage of orthopedic training that I encountered was very sink or swim. So I remember early on having to just figure a lot of things out. And I had good support, but if they thought you're up to it, you were left to figure it out for your own. I, you know, figure it out by yourself and uh, make it work. Mm. Mm. There's a lot less of that going on now, just with a lot more junior doctors working. But uh, And I think, as an example, Redcliffe Hospital, where I was a PHO, have got double the number of uh, registrar-level positions now. Wow. And mm. uh, like I'm just sure there's a lot less, <laughs> a lot less uh, interesting stuff happening out of ours. Wow. Um, that's good that there's you know more positions then um than there than there used to be is there um a particular memory that stands out to you from you know when you were early on in your training days i think it's the good cases that work out really well and you get a good job done under a bit of pressure those are the ones that stick out the one that i remember well maybe halfway through the year i had to sort out a compound tibia in an elderly patient with a tibial nail part to knee replacement. And it took a few hours and it was, you know, 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning when I finished. But the x-rays the next morning were, um, you know, everyone was very positive and they didn't believe that I did it on my own. Although no one wanted to come in and help me. So, <laughs> uh, but it was, and after that, you're like, okay, cool, I could do this. I, you know, looking back, you think, oh, geez, maybe that I was a bit hairy. But, you know, the, the boss had seen me do tibial nails before and, when you put it all together, it's not that much extra. Mm. It's good when you get a feather in your cap like that sort of case. That is very uh, affirming and then you want to keep doing it. Mm. Sometimes those experiences where we're thrust into something and we don't really know what to do or, uh, you know, we're not that confident what we're going to do uh, and then they turn out, um, I guess, favorably, mm. <laughs> are the ones that we remember the most. Yeah. And I'm sure we have a lot of uh, people that aren't really considering surgery at the moment, listening to the podcast, and they're trying to get an idea of what it's like. Um, but at the same time, we have some uh, medical students, some colleagues of ours that are actually uh, keen, and they, are, they have an idea of what kind of surgery uh, they want to go into. But uh, what advice would you give to medical students at any kind of stage, one, year one, uh, through to year four, uh, what kind of advice would you give them if uh, they were considering surgery? Oh, look, I think surgery is a great career. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one, though, and if you're thinking about 
surgery as a medical student, I think that's fantastic if you've got some direction. I didn't, and I just uh, ended up falling into orthopedic surgery. I don't think surgery is something you can try before you buy. So if you want to head into surgery, I wouldn't dig yourself too deep or mentally. And you meet some people who are sort of struggling with their life choices or further, further along in their junior medical career, and you can see the pressure's building. The way that the selection is these days and orthopaedics is, I think currently, not the worst, but getting up there. You're looking at four or five years of PHO positions before realistically you could get on the training program. And yeah. I'm like, that's wow. not right. I don't think that's, that's uh, the best way to go about it. But that's, it's a system that's evolving and changing each year. But there's lots of uh, good doctors out there who are working hard and doing good work and then can't get on the training program and sort of progress their careers, which is hard for them. Some of the other surgical specialties are better. I think general surgery is a bit better, um, but and but that's mainly because of a volume thing. General surgeons and orthopedic surgeons are the most numerous. Some of the other specialties are much worse, so plastics and vascular as an example. Um, I have no idea, but I'm for sure it'll be five or six years at least. Unless, and I know some of them want PhDs and all this sort of business too, which I think is a bit over the top. Yeah. And, you know, Aiden, you mentioned earlier you were doing some research already, which I think is fantastic. I was behind the eight ball because I didn't want to do orthopedic surgery or didn't really have any career direction when I was a mini doctor other than having a job. Mm. And uh, that was against me. And some of my uh, peers from medical, like same year of medical school, were on the program before me just because they had been pushing in the right direction uh, from medical school years, going to conferences and doing research and things. Um, so I guess my advice is, you know, have an idea and maybe push in that direction, but don't uh, don't set expectations that are too high and um, suffer, you know, sort of all the pressure and consequences of that. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's a worthy advice. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Um, we really appreciate the real talk, to be honest, um, because I think a lot of our listeners want to be able to start pushing in one direction right now and um, f- like kind of feel that pressure to, um, s- you know, get advice on what they can start doing now and push for what they can start doing now. But it's also good to hear that as amazing as direction is, um, having, I suppose, a bit of an open mind is a valued asset as well. Yeah. So um, on that note, Liam, could you tell us some of the most rewarding and negative aspects of surgery? We're really trying to get some real talk here for our students and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, you know, give them the you know, what really are the best and amazing parts and, you know, what they should also be prepared to see. Well, I think that, uh, you know, one of the aspects of surgery is people are hanging it out there and there's a lot of responsibility and pressure. So that's where a lot of uh, personality, um, not, not, well, yeah, people will be angry and aggressive and that's just their way of dealing with pressure situations. And, of course, that is, like a lot of that is bullying behaviour and you know we've all heard the stories about that uh, neurosurgeon down south and that just sounded terrible and that sort of behaviour is not at that level but like at a lesser degree it's sort of out there and I don't know the, the culture's changing but I think if you get into surgery you're going to have people under pressure and this is like surgeons but other staff you're dealing with uh, other specialties, nurses um, allied health and then patients 
are going to be pretty uh, difficult sometimes. So I think you've got to have a personality that's not, you know, not up to a bit of conflict, but you've just got to be happy to deal with uh, difficult situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the payout with, with paediatrics, it's all the same, but just in a different context of families, where, again, there's lots of um, pressure and uh, expectation ratcheted up, up because it's for your children. Mm. Um, so I think it's good to make a difference, but, you know, it's hard work sometimes. Mm. Mm. And you, you've got to be happy with responsibility. There's lots of medical teams that it's medicine by committee and they sit around in a room and make these decisions, but there's not a lot of personal responsibility. I think mm-hmm. that's the one big difference. Not not all, I'm not picking on physicians, but uh, yeah. you know, some of those specialties, and you, you'll meet them, it's all the decisions are made by 20 people at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, I mean, that's got its advantages, a lot of wisdom if everyone's pushing, you know, everyone's got a good idea and can come to a good consensus. But then sometimes, you know, when we deal with uh, different teams, who run like that, it's frustrating because no one wants to actually own up and, and own the situation. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess that's why it's a, it's a good thing that we're getting teamwork experience during, during medical school and uh, people also have opportunities to, you know, do some teamwork in things like committees, uh, you know, like Sergio, for example, and things like that, mm. um, just to prep them. I mean, it's definitely not as intense <laughs> as uh, the hospital environment or the operating theatre, um, but you know, it's it's working towards that. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's some good insight. I don't think uh, we've had uh, a speaker speak about that yeah, no. um, at our events. Um, and do you think that there are any myths that medical students believe? about surgery or uh, specifically orthopedic surgery, if that's uh, what you know more about, that are maybe can be busted? What's that, sorry? To uh, bust, as in, how do you mean, Aiden? Oh, sorry, I don't understand the question. So yeah, some uh, medical students believe uh, some things about surgery, like, for example, uh, you know, long and strenuous hours. Yeah, you won't have uh, a social life. At, like at all yeah yeah <laughs> hardly any sleep <laughs> that kind of thing about surgery um are there any kind of misconceptions that you're aware of or even some that you had oh okay okay gotcha gotcha you want me to bust the myth yes <laughs> yeah yeah oh. <laughs> uh, well uh i think that the introduction of safe working hours is probably going to make a lot of the specialties uh, more tolerable in terms of safe working hours I think that um, I was going to bust a myth. I'd say that some people get annoyed, and you can you can tell it in the way they um, when they move up the chain, they're less and less interested in um, doing grunt work. But and when I say grunt work, you know when you graduate, there's lots of paperwork, um, jobs to organise, people to talk to. But I'd say that don't worry. Like uh, I'm still a consultant. I still do a lot of heavy lifting on that end. It changes. Like you just talk to different people, and maybe if you've got a private practice. You're just managing your private patients, but it's all the same stuff. Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good job. I would say that the lifestyle specialties and this and and I'm sort of using that term loosely and not in a derogatory way, but you know, people who would go into say like rehab medicine was one that um, when I was going through was sort of for the lifestyle 
ED, mm. doctors always talk about their specialty being lifestyle because of the hours and days off and things like that. Mm. I don't know, like uh, that's, um, they've still got their own hard work to do. Mm. Uh, any other myths? I, I don't, um, I don't know if you've got any questions about surgery, Aiden. I don't know of anything about surgery that you would hear that probably isn't partially true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have some family. Uh, oh, you see, your old man at work, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, your old man's smart. He didn't go into private. That's such a silly, mysterious mistake I made. I'm just joking. <laughs> hey, guys, I've, I've got to, I've just got to duck in to get my kids now. No worries. Um, I can, I can talk a lot when you get me going. <laughs> no, that was really great. We, we really just wanted that kind of conversational um, chat with you and. Um, we're so glad that you were able to make the time to yes. um, have a chat with us and tell our audience about your journey. Um, so we might just end yeah, it there. And but, uh, oh, yep. Okay, no, thanks very, no, thanks very much for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to Behind the Scalpel. If you want more episodes, head to www.sergia.org or search for Behind the Scalpel on Spotify or Apple Music. <laughs>